Last year, I had the opportunity to list my Montecito guest house on Airbnb. This was part of a special project that Airbnb spearheaded to build connection and to make the world feel a little less lonely. It was such a pleasure to get to know my Airbnb guests over dinner and share my home with them so that they could rest and recharge on their trip. But typically, the beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Being a host on Airbnb is great for those who travel frequently, have extra space, or own a seasonal home. If you've stayed at an Airbnb, you know the unique experience it offers. And now you can share that same experience with others in addition to earning additional income on the side. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. When you are pioneering anything or introducing new ideas to the culture, you get criticized. You do? Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear about that? <laughs> I didn't find the one. I found someone I respected and we made it the one. In the sort of longing kind of view of love, people understand each other as if by magic. Nothing in itself is addictive on the one hand. On the other hand, everything could be addictive if there's an emptiness in that person that needs to be filled. I now know that nobody changes until they change their energy. And when you change your energy, you change your life. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. This is the Goop Podcast, bringing together thought leaders, culture changers, creatives, founders and CEOs, scientists, doctors, healers and seekers, here to start conversations. Because simply asking questions and listening has the power to change the way we see the world. Here we go. Today, we're breaking from our typical interview format and sharing a special audio workshop with you. This session is led by Emily and Amelia Nagowski. They're sisters and co-authors of Burnout, The Secret to Unlocking the Stress Cycle. They also co-host the podcast Feminist Survival Project. Emily is the author of the New York Times bestseller, Come As You Are, The Surprising New Science That Will Transform Your Sex Life. This classic was recently updated and republished. Her sister Amelia has a doctorate of musical arts and is an associate professor and the director of musical activities at Western New England University. She lends her musical talents to this workshop. Today, the Nagowski sisters are teaching us tips and tools to help free us from the stress cycle. I really need this right now. I hope you find their approach helpful too. I'm Emily Nagowski, I'm a health educator. My job, my purpose in life, is to teach women to live with confidence and joy inside their bodies. And I want to talk to you today about what to do when you're struggling to get out of your head and get back into your body. But first I need to explain a little bit about why I think about these things the way I do. It all started when I wrote a book called Come As You Are about the science of women's sexual well-being. It turns out the best predictor of a woman's sexual well-being is, surprise, surprise, her overall well-being. So Come As You Are has a chapter on stress and emotion. And as I traveled across America talking about the science of sex, a strange thing happened. Over and over, women would approach me after a talk and say, yeah, yeah, all that sex science is great. But you know, the one chapter that really changed everything for me was that one chapter on stress and emotion. I was surprised by this. And I told Amelia, Amelia is my identical twin sister and a professional musician. She's a choral conductor. It's her music you'll hear in the background of this episode. 
Hi, Amelia. Hi. It might surprise you to learn that classical music is as male-dominated a field as science or engineering. That's why the process of earning her doctorate was so stressful that Amelia wound up in the hospital twice with stress-induced inflammation and pain so intense, she literally thought she might die. This was a few years before I wrote Come As You Are. I don't know if you've ever seen your identical twin sister crying in a hospital, Johnny, but for me, that was a moment of intense helplessness. So I began plying her with the science of stress, the science I taught my own students, the science that I would eventually put into Come As You Are. And it helped Amelia so much, she began teaching it to her music students. From her students, she learned something I had lost sight of, that she was far from the only person who had never been taught how to have a healthful, thriving relationship with her own stress and emotions. So when I said, people keep telling me the best part of my sex book is the stuff about stress, she said, yeah, no shit. When I learned it, it saved my life. She said, twice. And I said, we should write a book about that. So we did. It's called Burnout, and it's packed with evidence-based strategies for dealing with stress in a world that expects women to be unfailing human givers. Pretty, happy, calm, generous, and unfailingly attentive to the needs of others. Because of this constant, exhausting, unrealistic expectation, we burn out. In the book, Amelia and I define burnout as feeling overwhelmed and exhausted by everything you have to do, yet still somehow feeling like you're not doing enough. It turns out this worry about not being enough can be a major obstacle between you and your return to your body. So let's start with the basic question. When your thoughts are swirling and your emotions are overwhelming, how do you get out of your head and back into your body? Mostly you already know the answer. You allow your attention to release its grip on your thoughts and feelings and gently shift to your breath flowing in and out of your body. Or you practice some form of moving meditation like yoga or tai chi or walking. Or you do something so physically intense that your thoughts and feelings don't stand a chance of capturing your attention. Rock climbing or a spin class, or high-intensity intervals. In short, to get out of your head and into your body, you shift your attention to your body, usually by doing something with your body. So far, so good. But the problem isn't that you didn't know how to get out of your head and back into your body, right? The problem is that some obstacle or barrier stands between you and your ability to do what you already know works breath, meditation, movement. Okay, so what then? Well, a few years ago, I was leading a wellness session during a conference and talking about this idea of doing something with your body. And a brave woman raised her hand and said, what if you can't? Like, what if you put on your running clothes and your running shoes, and then you just can't get yourself out the door? And I think that's the real big, deep question. Not how do I transition from my head to my body, but what do I do if I'm struggling to transition from my head to my body? I think she expected me to give her tips for motivating herself to run. That is not what I suggested. I suggested to her what I'm going to suggest to you today. 
Suppose you already know that moving your body or using your body is what will get you back into your body and out of your head, but you can't get yourself to use your body. What then? Then you sit very still and turn your attention toward the part of you that is trying to keep you out of your body. Don't fight against it. Just sit quietly and tune in with curiosity and compassion to all those racing thoughts and feelings. Invite forward the part of you that is so very sure that you should stay in your head and not get into your body. You want to learn what this part of you is afraid will happen if you go into your body. When this part of you presents itself, say hi. Say you're glad to meet her. Ask her what's up. Ask how you can help. I know of three types of conversations you might have with this part of you that's doing its best to help you by keeping you out of your body. First, you might simply be stressed. This can be a fairly simple conversation between you and this part of you that believes it's a bad idea to use your body. You see, the stress response isn't just physical. It's not just increased heart rate and respiration rate and blood pressure and shifts in your immune functioning and digestive functioning and hormones. It's also a shift in attention. When you're in the middle of a stress response cycle, your body's chemistry is screaming at you that you are in imminent danger. Some monster is coming to get you and you don't know exactly what it is or where it's hiding or when it will pounce, but something is coming probably soon. And so in addition to the biological changes caused by stress activation, your attention shifts to the here and now, to the stressful situation, the monster. Your thoughts may lock in on the problem and refuse to let go. And if you ask your stress to let go of your thoughts and shift down into your body, your stress might reply with something like, heck no. If I let your mind drift away from the problem and do something frivolous like attend to your breath, that is exactly when the monster will pounce. If the stressed part of you says that, that's a pretty easy conversation. You say something like, hey, stress, I hear that. And you know, deep down, that I'm not going to be effective in dealing with my problems if I stay in this state of racing thoughts and swirling emotions. Come with me on this run or this yoga practice, or this breath meditation, so we can return to a place of balance, because that's the way of being that brings us the most power and control. That's when I'll be effective at tackling whatever monster may come our way. And even if your stress replies, but, 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 you're the grown-up here. Take your stress by the hand and take it for a walk, or to the yoga mat, or the meditation cushion, or to spin class or the rock wall. And like a cranky toddler who needs a nap but protests against it until she falls asleep, by the end of your embodied practice, your stress will be thankful you helped her to meet her needs. So that's the first way this conversation could go between you and the part of you that believes you should stay in your head and away from your body. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our partners. CarbonX is an environmental company that aims to empower people to make a positive impact on the planet. They've created a simple platform to help you make up for your carbon emissions by supporting climate-friendly projects. 
You can earn shareable badges based on how long you've been offsetting, and your subscription will go towards supporting new initiatives and carbon offsetting projects that have been independently verified to have removed CO2 from the atmosphere. You can choose a project that is meaningful to you, such as planting trees in deforested regions of the Amazon and investing in energy-efficient and renewable resources around the world. For the Goop podcast team, CarbonX wanted to cover our team's carbon footprint. They donated a subscription for us to support an energy-efficient cook stoves program in Uganda. To learn more about CarbonX, head to their website at carbonx.com. That's carbon with a K-X.com or download the CarbonX app. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. A second way it might go is like this story a former student told me. A few years after she graduated, we met up and she said, Emily, you kept saying, mindfulness is good for you. Mindfulness, mindfulness, blah, blah, blah. Mindfulness is leafy green vegetables for your mental health. But, she said, whenever I tried it, whenever I let my attention drop down to my body and my breath, it was like there were sirens and red flashing lights. And I was like, it is terrible down here. Why would I want to spend any time here? After about three attempts like this, my student said, I finally maybe thought this, mm, maybe it's not normal. And I went to a doctor and it turned out I had fibromyalgia and I was living with a ton of pain. I hadn't even been letting myself notice. That's the second kind of interaction you might have. The part of you that's trying to keep you out of your body might be trying to protect you from intense pain. Maybe it's physical pain, like my students, or maybe it's emotional pain, trauma, that this part of you is trying to help you live outside. If you drop your attention down to your body, you might find injuries that need to be healed. And that's a project that takes time and energy. And if you're like my student, you are already busy working hard on getting through your life. And how are you going to make time to heal? That's a conversation you need to have with yourself, with a medical provider, or with a therapist. It's an important, important conversation. So to recap, when you're struggling to transition out of your head and back into your body, you turn with kindness, curiosity, and compassion toward the part of you that believes it's a bad idea to get into your body. This part of you might simply be your stress. This part of you might be pain or trauma. Or it might be a third character that in our book, my sister and I call the Mad Woman. The Mad Woman is who you're likely to meet if you're burnt out. Remember, burnout is feeling overwhelmed and exhausted by everything you have to do, yet still feeling like you're not doing enough. How can it be when we're so overwhelmed and exhausted we can barely function that we're still worried we're not doing enough? What even is enough. Well, that's the problem. There are two kinds of enough, true enough and a lie enough. And there is a gap, no, an abyss between the two. The first kind of enough is you. You're enough. If you're doing the best you can with the resources available to you right now, that's enough. Enough is the imperfect, glorious you you truly are. The first kind of enough, the true enough, is you. The second kind of enough, the lie, 
is what we call expected you. Expected you is the world's aspirational ideal of someone who is pretty, happy, yet calm, generous, and unfailingly attentive to the needs of others, a human giver. At some point in your life, I don't know when, but it was probably early, when you were small, you became aware of the gap between you and expected you. Sometime when you were small, you began to recognize that some parts of you were more welcome in the world than other parts. And you had no defense against the cultural messages that declared to you that you are not enough. Your only choice was to believe this lie. And the older you got, the more you explored who you are. And as you explored, you learned which parts of you were close to expected you and which were not. By the time you grew into an adult, you knew you were not what the world expected. You knew you were not, by this standard, this lie, enough. In order to cope with this inevitable gap, know this abyss between you and expected you, your brain grew this character we call the Madwoman. And remember, she grew inside you when you were small. I was 10 or 11 when I first remember being aware of this abyss between who I am and who the world said I was supposed to be. My sister says she can't even remember a time when the madwoman was not her companion. Since she was a toddler, she has felt the presence of this character who lives in the abyss between who Amelia is and who the world has always been telling her she should be. What's she like, this madwoman? She is full of fiery rage, sometimes at the world, for having such ridiculous, unmeetable expectations. But more often, she's angry at you for failing to be all the things the world expects. Pretty, happy, and calm. Generous, unfailingly attentive to the needs of others. And when she blames you, she will scream at you and tell you you're a failure, a loser, a bitch, stupid, ugly, mean. She will throw burning insults at you as if torturing you is how she'll motivate you to become enough. This is the cruel voice in your head that criticizes you in ways you would never criticize a stranger, never mind someone you care about. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our partners. Last year, I had the opportunity to list my Montecito guest house on Airbnb. This was part of a special project that Airbnb spearheaded to build connection and to make the world feel a little less lonely. It was such a pleasure to get to know my Airbnb guests over dinner and share my home with them so that they could rest and recharge on their trip. But typically, the beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Being a host on Airbnb is great for those who travel frequently, have extra space, or own a seasonal home. If you've stayed at an Airbnb, you know the unique experience it offers. And now you can share that same experience with others in addition to earning additional income on the side. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to Airbnb. .com/host Okay, let's get back to the conversation. If you're struggling to shift out of your head and into your body and you turn your attention toward the part of you that believes being in your body is a bad idea, you might come face to face with your madwoman. 
She doesn't want you to drop into your body because your body is where you are you in truth, where you are already enough. To be compassionately in your body is to reject expected you and embrace who you truly are. So if you meet her, I have two ways you can care for her. First, turn toward her with kindness, courage, and compassion. She is so angry and so tired after all these years of trying to force you to be who you're expected to be. She needs your unflinching tenderness the way a tantruming child needs your tenderness. How do you do this? Well, let me tell you about Moana. Just a warning here, I'm about to spoil the crap out of the Disney movie Moana, just FYI. So Moana is the daughter of the chief of her village, and she is chosen by the ocean to sail across the world and restore the heart of Tefiti. Tefiti is the goddess of life and abundance, and her heart is actually a glowing green stone with a swirl carved into it. And Moana carries the stone with her across the ocean, battling enemies the whole way. Moana's greatest and final enemy on her journey is Teka, the lava monster. And Teka is scary as hell, this angry, fiery monster that throws hot lava at Moana. But Moana notices that on Teka's chest, there is a swirl that matches the swirl on the heart of Tefiti. And Moana realizes that she holds in her hand the heart of her own worst enemy. And if she is brave, if she can turn with courage, kindness, and compassion toward this monster, she can unmake this fiery, raging enemy. So with the magical power of a Disney princess, Moana tells the ocean, let her come to me. And the ocean parts. And Teka comes crawling toward Moana, who strides forward, hair flowing in the wind, and she sings to Teka until they stand face to face, forehead to forehead, breathing each other's air. Moana restores the heart, placing it in the center of the chest of her greatest enemy. And Teka's ashes crumble away, and she transforms into Tefiti, the goddess of life and abundance, and the whole ocean sings in celebration to have the goddess restored. And that is what happens when we can turn toward our madwoman with courage, kindness, and compassion. When we say to her, I know who you are in truth, and you are a goddess. We can restore her heart, and she will become a powerful source of joy, creativity, and abundance. It requires your best self, your kindest, most patient, loving self. Let your best self take over and give the madwoman the courageous patience she requires. Listen to her needs and reassure her that is the first strategy for dealing with the madwoman if you meet her. The second is to recognize that deep down, that abyss where the madwoman lives, that gap between who you are and who the world expects you to be, that gap is actually loneliness. Feeling not enough is a form of loneliness. 
Let me explain. The mad woman's job is to devalue who we are, make us feel not enough so that we constantly strive to be something we aren't. We put on a social mask and pretend that we are expected us. We pretend that we don't have a mad woman, even though every one of us has a mad woman we carry around inside us. The social masks we wear, some of those masks just make life a little easier to be polite and smile and be nice when you want to scream. But some of those masks we wear because we believe that if people saw what was behind the mask, if they saw who we are in truth, they would shun us. And so we separate the real us, sometimes even from the people we most love for fear of being abandoned. This is why the feeling of being not enough is a form of loneliness. The fear that someone might discover that we don't conform to the fantasy ideal makes us pretend to be what we are not. So the second way to help the mad woman is to connect with your people, address her loneliness, her fear of abandonment. When you're struggling to get out of your head and back into your body and the mad woman is screaming, Sometimes the gateway from your head to your body is through authentic connection. Call or text or email a friend. Just say hi. Or read a book, watch a movie, or play a game that reminds you of the ways humans work together to make the world better. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our partners. When it comes to putting together your home, a great rug can make all the difference. A rug is really what pulls a room together and creates harmony. Nordic Knots offers a curated collection of rugs and timeless, high-quality essentials. They collaborate with leading designers and are the insider rug brand gracing some of the world's most beautiful homes. They have a wide-ranging collection, but we'll just talk about a few favorites today. The luxurious Grand Collection is known for its simple design, stunning colors, and high-quality wool. But if you're feeling a bit more bold, their designer collaborations are made with world-renowned designers and interior architects. Their Goodweave certified rugs are handmade and woven in all natural materials, like their super soft and beautiful New Zealand wool. At Nordic Knots, they make the process of rug shopping easy and enjoyable. And they always offer fast and free shipping from the U.S. To explore their rug collections, head to nordicknots.com. Use promo code INNERCIRCLE to get free rug samples. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. It's bad out there. The world needs you to stay well so that you can stay in the fight. And whatever damage you have sustained from years and decades of being whipped and battered by a culture that says you must change or die, no matter the damage, you can heal. The way to your head is to stop trying to escape and instead turn toward whoever it is in your head who's trying to keep you there. Turn toward them with kindness and compassion. They want what's best for you, but they're probably scared or hurt or lost or angry. Be brave. The path out of your head and back into your body might cross over a bridge that is guarded by your worst enemy. Your worst enemy is the part of you that is afraid you will disappoint and be shamed. 
and be alone forever. And if that's where you find yourself, remember you don't have to go alone, especially if you're burnt out. Remember, burnout is feeling overwhelmed and exhausted, but still worrying that you're not doing enough. If you're that overwhelmed and exhausted, how can you possibly even do what it takes to take care of yourself? That's why the cure for burnout is not self-care. You know, self-care is the fallout shelter you build in your basement because apparently it's your job to protect yourself from nuclear war. No, the cure for burnout is not self-care. It's simply care. It's all of us caring for each other. That means that when you think you need more grit, what you need is more help. When you think you need more discipline, you need more kindness. And when you look at others and think they need more grit, what they need is more help. And when you think they need more discipline, what they need is more kindness. All this is easier said than done, and it's not even that easy to say. I actually think the most effective way to communicate about it is through music, which is where Amelia can do things I can't. She could tell you about the musical themes that illustrate the relationship between Moana and her monster, but I asked her to write a song, a lullaby, for her own madwoman. Because music can say what my paltry words never can. So let's conclude with a lullaby for the madwoman. the one inside my head who sees the painful gap between the world and me. You're the mad woman and I take you by the hand. I'm here with you in that abyss. You warn me when something's amiss. Is it the Gives the mad woman closure 
just like the times when we were small, when we had no defense at all. Thanks for listening to this special workshop with Emily and Amelia Nagowski. Pick up a copy of their book, Burnout, and listen to their podcast, Feminist Survival Project. Thanks for tuning in. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. I hope you'll listen, follow, rate, and review all of our episodes, which are available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts.